want to just encourage you. The reason we're in this series called Let's Go is because I feel like there's this tendency that's creeping in. People say, oh, I don't like where things are going. Oh, times are getting so dark. Oh, we're so divided. Things are so crazy. And it's pushing us into this position of shrinking back, holding back, playing safe, better, better protect ourselves. And it's like, no, no, no. God has called us to be a people on the move. Let's go. The crazier it gets, the more fun it should be for kingdom people. Are you with me? And so we kicked off this series last week uh, just saying, let's go. We're staying on the move. We're taking ground. We believe that God is growing us. And only in the dark can the light shine. And the darker it gets, the brighter we are. And so it's not time, like the old song says, we're going to hide it under a bushel. No, let's go. That's my version of it. But we go. We go. And we keep going because God's called us to go. As a matter of fact, he literally named it for us. It's the Great Commission. The Great Commission says in Matthew chapter 28, it says, go into all the world. Be a people on the move. Christians are movers. We're not safe players. We're not people, again, who shrink back and hold back. We're people who move out and go with God and see God's glory in our lives as we take ground. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. It's going to lead us all the way up to Easter. But last week when we kicked it off, we talked about that. We talked about the great commission that we have from Jesus. You could say it like this. It's called the great co-mission. We're in this mission with God to seek and save the lost and to redeem the time and to reach people. And so we're on mission. To be on mission means you're moving, you're taking ground, you're advancing with God. And so what I love about Jesus is he doesn't leave us alone to do it. The scripture said he's called us to go into all the world and reach people. But then at the end, he says, and I'm with you through the whole thing to the end of days. I'm with you the whole way. So we don't got to do it by our own might, by our own hand. But the scripture says we do it by the spirit and by the power of God that's living on the inside of us. That's why in this video, it talks about how we're overcomers. He's already won. You know, it's sort of like we're playing through this life with cheat codes on. Have you ever been a gamer and you played and uh, you grew up and you put in all the hacks and you're like invincible? You can just, and that's sort of how we're living as Christians is God, God's already defeated. He's already handled the big end. We just get to go out and finish the story. Uh, I'm just going to continue to ramble about video games. But my son's playing this Marvel game on his iPad and you match up like these guys against these guys, and it's a bunch of different number uh, battles. Sometimes it's like three versus three or six versus six. But when you match up before you start the battle, come on, somebody, before you start the battle, it talks about how much power this one team has, my team, and how much the, the opposing team has. And as long as I know that I've picked the characters that have more power, I'm going to win that battle. And so what I get to do is I get to start that game with my son. I'm like, all right, buddy, we are going to whoop them. We're going to destroy them. And you ought to wake up every single day understanding that you as a believer, you have more power on your side than the enemy. Can I get an amen? So just go have fun in the game. Let's go. Are you with me? You're not with me, but we'll get you there. Christine Kane, we shared this last week, says this. My concern is that our generation is busy, is that our generation will miss their destiny because they are too busy scrolling through everyone else's. They're going to miss all that God has for them, all that he's assigned for them, all that he's purposed them to do, because we're just in this paused mode of watching everybody else take ground, everybody else fulfill. We're being critics or we're being cynics or we're downplaying why we're unable to do it and they're able to do it, but I can't do it. And we got all these excuses and we miss all that God has for us, just watching everybody else fulfill. God has a specific purpose for every single one of you. I believe this, that you were created on purpose for a purpose, and God wants you to go. Can I get an amen today? Somebody in the chat, help me preach it, is that we have got to understand it's time to take ground. It's time to move. It's time to go. Before I get fully into this sermon, uh, I do need to actually admit an error. 
uh, I did make an error uh, in last week's or last month's series. Last month we were in a series called Miracles, and I was preaching to all of us that uh, it's God's desire for us to pray for people for the miraculous. I was saying that, listen, I believe that we are called to walk in signs and wonders. We are called to walk in the miraculous, that God has assigned us to see miracle breakthroughs. And so it's our assignment to go and, and pray for people. And then people started saying to me, well, pastor, you shouldn't be telling your congregation that it's God's assignment to be praying for people and believing for miracles and believing for signs and wonders. You know, you really shouldn't be getting their hopes up even though the scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, but hope is the substance of, anyway, you guys are with me. But they say, pastor, you can't talk like that. You, you know, if the Lord decides to heal, it's his will, it's his thing. And we need to just leave it up to the Lord, but you shouldn't have people praying for the miraculous. You shouldn't have people praying for the miraculous. And, you know, I erred when I said that we, we, we should be, you know, getting people to pray for the miraculous. Matthew chapter 10, verse five says this, it says these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go, there's that word, rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go, because we're called to be people taking ground, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Then it says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So here's where I erred. You know, we're not actually even called to pray for people. We're just called to heal them. Amen. No, okay, all right, good. All right, we got a few. Obviously, we pray for them, you know, so don't, don't let me get too weird. Obviously, we pray. But God is saying, I so much believe for you to walk in the authority, the authority that I've empowered you is that your mindset shouldn't be, oh, we're just going to pray and hope and wish. We walk in and we say, oh, oh, you're sick? Here. God's believing for you to be healed. Are, are you with me? Yeah. It's our assignment is to heal. I'm going to give you another version just so that you can believe it. Passion version in verse 5 says this. Jesus commissioned these 12 to go into the ripened harvest field. How many believe we got ripened harvest fields today? It says, do not go to any non-Jewish or Samaritan territory. Go, again, that word go. Instead, find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. And as you go, because there's things we should be doing as we're going, because we're going, Preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. How many of you believe heaven's kingdom realm is accessible? God's power, God's goodness, God is, is accessible. Close enough to touch, it says this, you must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it a habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Can I get an amen today? Raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of, of the kingdom. So freely release it to others. God's called us to pray for people, obviously. I'm, I'm not saying that he hasn't called us to pray for people. We don't stop praying for people. But we don't pray for people in this manner of like, I wonder if we should pray and believe that God wants to heal them. Yeah. The mandate, the commission is go out and be a people who are believing and partnering, commissioning with God to see healing and deliverances and breakthroughs. Are you with me? Yeah. Addicts set free. Yeah. Those that are struggling and bound and in a lack of self-worth and anything that's holding anybody back, it says, go on mission, go out and believe that there's breakthrough for them. Amen. So it's not just that we pray, it's just that we go and do, and we yeah. go and do, and we go and do. It should be so natural to you that like if you were sitting in the room with somebody, it was like somebody says, oh, my lips are so chapped right now. 
oh, your lips are chapped? I happen to have chapstick, which I guess we probably can't do that nowadays, right? Share chapstick. <laughs> maybe we should, some of you are like, you do it in the first place? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Any, anything like that. Oh, I got something in my eye. My, oh, I just happen to have eye drops. You would offer eye drops, wouldn't you? Well, if God's kingdom presence is powerful and it was freely given to us, when you hear of somebody who has a sickness, shouldn't you be like, oh, I happen to believe that the God on the inside of me has commissioned me and given me authority to pray for you to be healed. Can I get an amen? You'll get there. Give me the rest of the year. We'll get you there. What I love about next week. All right, we got it next. I'm not here next week. (laughs) Sorry. Need a drink of that big whiskey. You guys are hard today. I'm not going to read you the rest of that math. I'm kidding, by the way. That's water. <laughs> Getting started on Valentine's early. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know we can't have fun in church. Some of you people are getting out your little siren to get me. I'm going back. I'm going to stay foot on the gas. Matthew chapter 5. Not only does it say this. I haven't got to my sermon yet. We'll get to that in a minute. Daniel gave me a little bit extra time. We only did three songs, so I'm going to use it here. You ready? The rest of that verse goes on to say this. Not only do I believe that you should be walking and seeing healing and breakthrough and all these kinds of things. And li- listen, hear my heart on this. Don't, don't let me be silly and then miss the moment. But it says this. It says, go out and walk in the supernatural lifestyle. God using you in this co-mission. This, this, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon says, co-laboring with God. We're working together with God. Uh, the scripture says that we're co-laborers with Christ. So and it's telling us this. It tells us that we're, you know, we're, we're walking with God and all of this supernatural kind of living. But then if you read on to that verse, it's actually the same chapter where Jesus then begins to give us this warning. He's kind of painting this picture of this lifestyle that we should be prepared for, which is one, signs, wonder, wonders, miracles, miraculous. But then he also gives us this warning about the persecution that we're going to face. So he says, there's no servant greater than their master. If they persecuted me, if they came at me, they're definitely going to come at you. Yeah. So it's so bizarre to me that all of a sudden in this Christian life that we're living, in this time that we're living in America, all of a sudden Christians feel like we need to have some type type of fair. Everything's got to be fair. Well, big tech is saying this about Christians. Well, the world is saying this about Christians. I'm sorry. Did you expect it to be fair? Because Jesus didn't say it was going to be fair. He actually says, you're going to walk in signs and wonders, the supernatural, my power. But then if you read on in that same chapter, it says you actually need to have a plan for when you're being persecuted and brought before government and being arrested on the account of living that supernatural life. So you guys need to just get over the fact that nothing's going to be fair. It's not going to be fair on Twitter. It's not going to be fair on Facebook. It's not going to be fair on MySpace if you're still there. Whatever you're doing, it's actually more so have a plan for when you get in some trouble for living this kind of lifestyle. Can I get an amen? And I'm not talking about being reckless and unsafe and walking in some high pride that's going to get you into... into I'm talking about when you're, when you're living a way that God has called you to, be prepared. That signs wonders. I'm going to go forward a little bit more. Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy. He's writing like his swan song story of, of, of Christian living to the one who he loves. And he says, in the last days, they're going to reject sound doctrine. And they're going to go moving toward things that's like a, a tickling of their ear. That's like an inspiration of just the things that they want to hear. And we all think, oh, that means heresy. They're going to move away from sound doctrine to, to heresy. to not. But if you actually break everything down, it talks about 
full gospel. It talks about full power of God kind of belief, meaning that God not only saved us and set us free and has a plan for us, but he also wants to see us walk in signs, wonders, powers, the supernatural. Are you with me today? So it says in the last day, you're actually going to see people move away from sound, full gospel, total truth of living to go get tickled with something that they can understand and comprehend and be comfortable with because we just want to be so comfortable. But I guess I'm just here to tell you, and I didn't say it to first service, but I'm just here to tell you, you're not going to be comfortable. That's not part of the plan. So the more we can get used to this idea that it's going to cost us something, you're going to pay the price, just as Jesus paid the price, but there's power that follows that. I'm wasting all my sermon content for the next couple weeks, but I think Abe Lincoln said this. I'll save it for next week or whatever, whenever I come back, if I come back. I'm going to Florida soon, so I don't know if I'm coming home. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, we shared this last week. It says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. It's kind of setting up what we're going to talk about today. You don't got to try to figure out everything on your own, but listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he is the one keeping you on track. God's calling us to be people on the move, going, taking ground, advancing, even when you don't understand it all. God say, keep listening to my voice, keep paying attention to me, and keep taking ground. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. We keep our eyes on God as we're going, as we're moving, even when we don't understand it all. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, we'll talk about this perspective in this sermon today. It says this in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways... Your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I know many of you in this room, uh, your testimony is that you're so grateful that God saw your life better than you did. Uh, You may have prayed. The good old Apostle Garth Brooks says that some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Many of you, that's like your testimony. It's like, man, I'm so glad that as I thought this is what I should have done and I thought this is where I should have went, you know, God actually moved me in this direction. Instead, I'm I'm so much more grateful for it. Or many of you have looked back on your, you know, past years and and you go, oh, I'm so glad that God took me this direction even though I wanted to go that direction. Why? Because he sees better. His thoughts are higher. His ways are better than ours. And we have to trust him. We have to lean into that. Um, I'm going to dangerously do something here. Uh, I'm going to give you this illustration. Uh, Most of you, this is my daughter. Here's Caroline. This is our oldest. This is her birthday in December last year. Um, And so uh, most of you who have an iPhone, uh, you'll understand how this works and how your photo is collected in your thing uh, here. If you don't have an iPhone, uh, we do have a prayer room for you after service. If you're an Android user, uh, we'll get you delivered of that. But uh, I love this example about how God sees our life. So many times in our life, we get stuck in the moment. This one picture, this one scenario, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to be able to get past this. All you see is the present moment. And uh, I'm going to do something really dangerous here. I'm going to try to back out of my photos and hopefully you don't see some things you shouldn't see. And uh, if you do, it's because my wife probably put them on there. But, uh, (laughs) But what I love that the iCloud does is... See, now you can back up and you, you get a little bit more of a bigger picture. It's showing you a few more scenes at a time. And so we can see the immediate picture in our face. And then sometimes we can get even a, a better picture of some things. But then you back up and you even get, you get some more. There's even some more put on there. And, and then you back up again and it's, it's all of these. 
So it's a much bigger picture of all of the different scenarios of our life. But then you back up even more and it's all of these micro scenarios that make up our life. And so when God is saying like, I see everything, that's what he sees is everything in the totality. As Daniel was talking about, and as we sang this morning, he's alpha and omega. He sees the beginning and the end. And sometimes we get so stuck on what's right here. And we say, God, I, I can't move. God, I can't go. God, I need to stay. I need to be stuck. Because all I can see is this scenario. There's no other way for it to come together because all I see is this. You need to understand that God's ways are higher. His thoughts are bigger. His perspective is so much greater than ours. So we don't stay stuck. We instead go with God. Are you with me today? Uh, I heard this guy, uh, Pastor Lance Wallnow, gave this incredible just idea of how Noah um, was sort of led in faith. We all talk about Noah building the ark. And so he spent all that time laboring and building the ark and constructing the ark. And neighbors are going by and he's saying, it's going to rain. They've never seen rain. It's going to rain. And these animals are going to come and God's going to, you know, save us. We've been chosen. And, you know, there's this scenario of building and assembling and construction. We think that's the faith-filled moment. We think that's the time where he had to trust God even though he didn't understand it, where he had to go even though it didn't make sense. So he builds this whole thing. But I love where Mario says what, what probably was even more faith testing for him was the scripture says after he built it all, it sat in his backyard for a week. So think about that. As the neighbors are going, by, yeah, I'm building, I'm doing. And we do that. We pray, we fast, we believe, we declare, we, we speak the word, we do all these things. And then all of a sudden we sometimes are just waiting Waiting, waiting, stuck. God, like, what are you doing? So think about that for Noah for a week. He's got this ark in his backyard. And now the neighbors are really saying, look, he did the whole thing. He prayed, he believed. He's, he's just sitting there. There's no animals, there's no rain. It probably, more, it probably required more faith in that waiting moment, in that when it didn't make sense moment, than it did in the building moment. And so many of you this year and in, in, in your life, you've built and you've prayed and you spoke and you've got a word and you've declared it and you've assembled all these things, but all of a sudden you're still in this waiting. And I'm just here to tell you, just keep trusting God. Just keep going forward. Just keep believing because God is doing it. Can I get an amen? And just keep believing in that faith-filled moment. Many of you have made adjustments in businesses or in your life. And you said, God, I thought you told me to change it this way and move this to here. And I don't understand how it's all going to work. And you just feel like, and I'm just telling you, stick with it. Keep trusting. Keep declaring God's doing it. Can I get an amen? This God has this idea that God's ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. I think it's something that we believe as Christians. We believe it, but we like don't know it like on the inside of us. You know, like you believe it, like if you just say, yeah, God's ways are higher, we'd be like, yep, yep, yep. But when we get in those moments, we don't like know it, know it, where we just got to trust and just know that he's doing it. And we just keep taking another step and another step and another step, even though it doesn't all make sense. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3 gives us this really cool picture of what it looks like to follow God. Even when we can't calculate and understand everything, we go anyway. Ecclesiastes eleven three says this. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls toward the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Scripture saying if you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you move out and follow God, it never will. If you're waiting for everything to equate and be perfect and pay attention to everything, there is no such thing as a perfect scenario. If you're waiting for the perfect time to trust God, that time is right now. Can I get an amen? amen. 
Every time is the perfect time to trust God. Well, I don't know how that's going to work, and I don't know how this is going to work. Most of you, if I asked you your testimony and I said, hey, what were some of the most amazing times with God in your life? You'd be like, oh, let me tell you, we had no idea how it was going to work, and we had no idea how it was going to, but we trusted God, and we moved forward anyway, and then he did a breakthrough for us. How many would you say that's your testimony, right? Some of our best times with God are where we, where we just holy and faith-filled trust it. And I'm not talking about recklessly. I'm not talking about where you just, you know, you don't count the cost. The scripture says we count the cost and we, we do the best that we can in the natural. But when you get a word from God, you go with that word. Amen. Amen. Victory and breakthrough, I believe, comes on the account of trusting God. It doesn't come on the account of our equations or man's advice or business plans or all of these things we can see in the natural. I believe the most powerful breakthrough and the most powerful thing you can have in your tool bag is the ability to trust God at all times. Verse 5 says this, As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Scripture saying, again, if you're waiting to figure it out, you never will. If, you're, if, if you didn't, you know, think about it in the natural. If you're waiting to figure every single thing out and completely have an understanding about how absolutely everything works, you would never do anything in your life. Think about childbirth. Like I said, like, uh, I don't know scientifically and, and, and all the stuff, how a, a, a baby, like the scripture says, grows in, in the womb of a, of a mother. I don't know how, I know how it started, amen, but I don't know, I don't know how. Be careful, dads, it's Valentine's Day. But I don't understand, I don't understand how it all works, but it doesn't stop us. We have three kids. Think about in your natural life, how many things you're a part of or you use or you participate with that you can't explain. You don't know how electricity works. Sometimes when I think about things too long, I get paranoid. So the other day I was just having this thought that we've literally created an ear in our phones. Like we've created hearing. So we all in our natural bodies, like we have this ability to hear. It was created by God, but your phone is listening to you all the time, which means it literally has an ear. That's crazy, right? And not only does that ear like listen to you all the time, but now we've created a brain because that ear listens and it goes online and it can get you results. And so if you spend too much time thinking about stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't understand how we go on FaceTime and you know, your face and your audio goes directly across the world and you can talk to anybody. It's witchcraft. Are you with me? I mean, that's the only explanation is how this happens. But we have all of these natural things. I don't know how half of the things specifically and technically work in my life, but it doesn't stop me from moving out. Are you with me? But why is it with God that we're like, I don't know. I need to perfectly. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's all powerful. He's redeemed me. He sent a perfect son who died and rose again. But we're like, God, I need more evidence. I need to figure out how it works. But it's crazy. We, just as much as we don't know everything about the natural, we need to start trusting in a supernatural God. Can I get an amen? That's why verse 6 says this, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. But it's talking about how even farmers, I know they sell the farmer's almanac, but they don't give you a guaranteed every single day weather guarantee. But farmers go out and they understand that I've done the process. I've done what we're supposed to do. I've cre- and that's why we've been given the word to show us how to set up the scenarios and till the ground and prepare the field. Are you with me today? And they go out and they trust that, hey, we're going to do our part of it and the rest is going to come together. It's the same thing with God. I don't understand how it's going to work and it doesn't all make sense to me, but I'm going to follow what God's called me to do and I believe it's going to be good. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
But we live in this culture where everything's got to be guaranteed. I mean, Google, you know, you go to look something up. You're like, how can I? And it pops up. This stuff comes up, says guaranteed way to proven way. Automatically, they're giving you all these results. You start looking at some of your packaging and it tells you like guaranteed way to do this. I, I'm not kidding you. My lawnmower, okay, it says guaranteed. I'm right on the engine. It says guaranteed to start in two pulls. Guaranteed because us Americans are like, we went into a store at one point. You're like, you got any two pulls? Because I'm not here for a three pull. <laughs> if I got a three pull, I'm out. You know, got a two pull. In. Because we love this guaranteed instant, it's ridiculous how we're just so like, I need it right now, right away. And God is just a God of process and trusting and believing because that's how he grows us. Can I get amen? That's why the scripture in Ecclesiastes says, you know, you're going to get a lot more maybes than you are guarantees. But we got to trust God in these maybes. We got to trust God and his word is guaranteed. His word is absolute truth. As Daniel just preached, that his, his promises are yes and amen. But it's the, it's the how it comes together. That's why Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Here's one of the sort of teachings that comes out of this is this. The reason he said, hey, we got to become like children is because children trust their parents at their word. Yeah. My son comes to me and says, dad, how does this work? And I say, oh, it's this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay. And he believes me and he goes with it because he trusts the father. We've got to get into a position where we humble ourselves like children, where we stop trying to figure all this out by our own might. Yeah. Are you with me? by your own understanding, by your own intelligence, and we just start believing our Father at His Word. Did God say it? Did He say we could have it? Did He say that we could walk in it? Then we got to start taking Him at His Word. we got to humble ourselves and start putting our faith, hope, and trust in the Father who's assigned it to us. Amen. I love this story. Uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer. I love so much that you guys are reading through the Bible with us. And uh, it's kind of funny for me as a pastor um, because, you know, for some reason you guys think that, like, I completely understand and know the whole Bible book to, you know, and I have the, it's like all of a sudden, you know, when you become a pastor, you get like all knowledge and all understanding. And that's not obviously true at all. And so you're going through the Bible and so many of us are in the Old Testament part of it. And you're reading through some of it, some of you for the first time, and you're like, wait a minute. And then you ask me and I'm like, I read it today too. I'm like, wait a minute. But the Old Testament has these just awesome stories where you're just, you know, they call you to faith and, and action. And one of my favorites here is Jonathan in his armor bear. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 6 talks about how, I'll read it in a minute. Jonathan in his armor bear. So he's got one guy with him, his crazy buddy. We all, we all need a good crazy buddy, right? And so that's his armor bear. And it says that the two of them are called to take on 250,000 other people that are defying them, that are against them. And it says they only have one set of armor between the two of them because the armor bearer is carrying the armor of Jonathan. And so the scripture has given us this incredible like faith, but also realistic vision about how to live. And so it says this in 1 Samuel 14, 6, it says, Then Jonathan said to him who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And he had the right kind of armor bearer. Verse 70, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, I'm with you all the way. 
So these crazy guys, right, you know, they're saying, look, I feel like God has called us to go take these guys on. I feel like God hasn't called us to shrink back and hold back and hide back. But instead, I feel like God has commissioned us and called us and empowered us to go out and take on these guys. And his armor bearer says, hey, I'm with you all the way. Let's do all that's in your heart. But I love his terminology here. He says, it may be, which is a great lesson to us that it's possible for you to walk out and take steps full of faith, but even have questions. You don't have to wait for all the questions to be resolved. Are you with me? If God called you and commissioned you and equipped you, you go out and you move out even when you have a maybe. Can I get an amen? That's why David said this, even when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you which means it's possible for you to have faith and fear at the same time. I say, oh my gosh, that's, I've never heard it preached that way. No, what happens is you have fear and then you make a faith decision out of that place of fear. Oh, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to let it be my decision maker. I'm going to let faith be the decision maker. So David said, I got afraid, but I trusted in God. I got afraid, but I made a reaction that was full of faith. Are you with me? So here's the armor bearer saying like, oh, I don't know how it's going to work but I'm going with God and I'm going with God and I'm going to move up. That's why we're a people that we go. Can I get an amen? They didn't they, they ran right at their problem. They ran right into the problem. It's too often that the church runs into a situation and we start whining. And then instead of running at the problem, we start complaining and we start murmuring and we start gossiping and blaming and accusing. And we start throwing all these other, instead of being like these guys that say, hey, we got a maybe. It, we, we know that the Lord could save by many or by few. We know that he could do this. We know that he's called us to it and we're going anyway. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. That's why we tithe. That's why we're generous. That's why we do all of these things. Why? Because nothing happens supernaturally until we do something in the natural. We take steps, we trust God, we move out in faith. Even when we can't figure out how it's perfectly going to work, we do it anyway. Most Christians sit back and say, go get him, God. Oh, go, go, go get him, God. You go to, everybody says, oh, I'm just waiting on the next great move of God. And God's up in heaven being like, I'm waiting for the next great move of my church. Let's go, let's move, let's take ground. I've given you everything that you need. Are you with me? I don't know if you know this, but... Um, I thought about even preaching. You might not know this, but like my sermons aren't emailed to me like on Wednesday. Like, oh, God sent me my sermon. Here's the email. I'm going to pray. Oh, good. God, that's pretty good. <laughs> I got to pray and do some things in the natural. And I got to study and I got to ask the Lord, what do you have me say? And I got to know what's going on in our, in our world. And you got to pay attention to all these things. And, the, and then you let God lead you and give you your word. But can I tell you something? There's sometimes I get done with the sermon and I go, all I got is a maybe on this one, God. All I got is a maybe. It may be that you'll work for me. Some of you are like, and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? Jerks. But if I waited for everything to be perfect and I knew the results and I knew how it was going to come, I wouldn't do anything. Same thing with Daniel and other people who minister. You know, if you knew how every, but you got to go out in faith and you got to take your steps and you got to move. In the natural world, again, we do it all the time. I, I thought about, you know, even fishermen. I was talking to somebody this morning, talking about how he went out and he was ice fishing yesterday. So freezing cold and crazy, and he goes out on the ice and cuts a hole in the ice. There's no guarantee he's going to catch fish. And as a matter of fact, he caught none yesterday. But you go out there and you, I might catch a fish. And deer hunters, you're getting up crazy and climbing a tree and snot's frozen in your beard. and yeah. <laughs> Weirdos. You're not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed. You're, you're putting on all these scents. You don't even know what half of it is. 
and watching all these shows and you know doing all this stuff, you don't, you're not guaranteed anything. But we don't think it's weird of you to move out and, and believe. And how come it is with God that we, we got to just wait for everything to be so perfect, so in place, so before we take any steps? We got to go. We got to trust God. I love 2 Kings chapter 5 talks about how the leper uh, had leprosy. And of course, leper had leprosy. <laughs> and uh, in the scripture says that he was told to go down to the river and dip seven times, which would have been really frustrating for him to, to go to that place and be around people because of the leprosy. And so uh, the, the word on him was to go do this thing. And the scripture says that he went there mad. He went along the way upset about it but he still went obediently. And I'm just here to tell you, as God has called you into things and positioned you into things, there may be seasons where you're still mad that you're living that thing out. You're obedient to the word, but it's still frustrating to you. And what I love about this is when he got there, he didn't lose the reward because he went frustrated and say, well, because you came with a bad attitude. No, God was like, I'm still honoring your obedience. You're going to have bad days and frustrating moments on your journey of obedience to what God's called you to, but we go anyway. Can I get an amen? Okay. I'll close with this. Uh, we'll have the, the band come up. Esther is the same picture. I want you to hear this. Esther is the same way. So you guys all know the story of Esther. The scripture says that uh, the king of his, is in his court, and the, the way that the rule works is nobody could enter into his court or basically the hallway of where he was uh, unless they uh, had permission or he was holding up this scepter. You would actually uh, be put unto death if you didn't have the permission. And we already know that Esther's um, lineage is going to be killed, right? They're going to be killed. That's the assignment uh, of the time. So the scripture says about Esther that she calls a fast for all her people, and they're called to prayer. And the scripture says she does some other things to prepare herself. But she says, I'm going into the king's court, and I believe that God has told me that I'm going to find favor. Now, she has no guarantee of that. You know, there was no supernatural letter that was given to her of permission. She didn't get like the scan card to the hallway. God didn't do any of those things for her. She sought the Lord, she got a word, and she moved out on a maybe. And what I love about what she says is she says, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going with what God told me anyway. And the scripture says she prepared herself, she sought the Lord, she took steps in the natural, and he met her supernaturally. The scripture says by the time she went around the corner, he was already holding up the scepter saying, I don't know who this is and I don't know what you need, but whatever you want to the half of my kingdom, her breakthrough and her blessing followed her obedience. Even though she gave the words, if I perish, I perish. I have no guarantee here, but I'm going with God anyway. Some of you, God has called you to things where you got to step out of the boat. It's time for you to risk and use your faith and believe the word that he's given you. It's time to stop holding back. It's time to stop shrinking back. You may have that feeling of, I might perish. It might not work out, but wish you go anyway. Yeah. And I'm again, I'm not calling you to recklessness. I don't want you to come back to me next week. And we sold the house. I quit the job and divorced my wife. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not the plan. What's God telling you to do? What, what lines up with his word? What's God, what's God spoken you to do? And then just like Esther, she's saying, I'm going all the way no matter what it costs because God's called me to do it and I prepared myself spiritually and God blesses it. Amen. Amen. I believe much of what God has for you is tied to what you don't currently understand. So much of the blessing is hanging on this tree of like, I don't understand any of that. And God's like, I know, journey with me and trust me and walk with me and let me reveal to you. Are you with me? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes.
I'm going to give you an opportunity, whether you're on Facebook or in this room. Um, there's this other thing that I don't understand, and, and it's this thing. I understand it. I'm going to be able to explain it to you, but it's this idea of salvation, right? Where God in heaven sent his son who lived a perfect life to die for our sins, for our mess-ups, for our failures, for our wrongdoings. But then God gives us this opportunity. I'm going to read you the scripture here in Romans. He sent his son to bring us salvation, but the book of Romans talks about how if we pray this prayer, we can be forgiven of our sins and we can spend eternity in heaven. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. It's both. It's that. But it's God's way of saying, listen, I'm, I'm making a, a commitment. I'm making a, a covenant. I'm making a promise with you that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and you pray this prayer, that God's salvation work begins in your life and your sins are forgiven and you get to put your faith, hope, and trust in him and he gets to lead you. As I just preached, even in times where you don't understand and it doesn't make all sense, God is still leading you and moving you. So if you're in here in this room and you say, Pastor Josh, count me in that prayer. Today, one of the steps I need to take, maybe even though you don't understand it all, not even quite sure why you're here or why you're even watching right now. I don't even understand. It's because God's got you to this moment and he, he wants you to choose to follow him and connect in the life that he has for you in him. So if you're here, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand. We're actually all going to pray a prayer together. Wherever you may be, however you may be watching it, you can pray this prayer, and I believe the same thing will happen for you. But let me show you where it is in Scripture where we get this understanding about salvation. Romans 10.9 says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do in this moment. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. And I believe that you're going to experience God's power and God's salvation in your life. So let's all do this. Let's repeat after me. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give it up for them, all that prayed that prayer, online, wherever you may be. One more step in that process. We have a book that we'd like to give you for free. If you're watching online, you can text the word prayer to that number there on your screen. also encourage you to do that. Let us know that you prayed that prayer if you prayed it in person today. But we have a book we'd like to give you. So when we dismiss you just down the hallway past the coffee bar, um, our lead team is back there. Our prayer team is back there to get you that book. Just helps you with your next steps with God. Um, just helps you with your faith journey and what it looks like to follow him. And so we want to give you that for free. Uh, not a huge book. Not going to take you forever to read. Uh, it's not the whole Bible. <laughs> but I uh, want you to have it. It helps you. And uh, I would encourage you, take that step right away. Don't, don't, don't see that as like a small thing. Get that in your life and let it encourage you and, and be a part of what you're doing. I want to pray for the rest of us, just this sermon of, uh, hey, we're trusting God. We're going after God. We are living in, you are so blessed to be alive in this time. You are about to see so many miracles and power and breakthrough because we are living in such a crazy time, which means like we just get to turn the heat up. And so get excited, be motivated. Like, you know, you just like, let it spur you. I think I said this before in a few hour or sermons ago. You know that scene in like fight movies? I hope you watch fight movies. Um, 
But you know where that guy's just getting beat and she's getting beat? And some of you are like, no, sicko. He's just getting beat. And then all of a sudden he like, he starts to like it. He's like, yeah, come on, come on. And I'm, I'm telling you, like the church needs to just start to smile through their blood. Can I get an amen? You know, they can pick on us and they can mess with us, but it's time for us to just get excited. Where's my wrestling fans at? You know when Hulk Hogan was getting beat up and, uh, and he started to Hulk up? Come on, church. Everybody stand. Let's start hulking. No, I'm just kidding. But come on, let's go. It's time. Let's go. Banditos, right, Daniel? We're going. We are bandits. We don't care. I think I need to still pray, right? Is that right? Pray and we'll get you out of here. My, my big whiskey's kicking in. Sorry about that. I do need to pray. Father, forgive me. Just kidding. I'm sorry we have fun in church. Whatever, you know. I want to say something. I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> I told you guys, the instigators, my wife has said no. So I'm going with what my wife has said. Uh, majority. I'll say it when I come back in two weeks. Be there. All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for a fun church and fun people. God, we thank you that your joy is our strength and we get to have fun and laugh and be in a place that's so full of life. And so God, I also ask that you just seal this word in our hearts, God, that you help us. Um, just run with you and uh, live a life that um, is full of faith, that's not shrunk back, but it's taking ground, it's advancing what you called us to do. Lord, we know you've empowered us and commissioned us to do it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.